Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Crew, a New York Rangers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus, and I am solo for the intro today, but Cody and I actually did a great interview with Emily Kaplan from ESPN, which we'll get to soon. I apologize for my voice. My best friend got engaged this past weekend, so uh, it's been a crazy weekend. You know, obviously, I got a chance to watch the Rangers against the Bruins for the first preseason game. I was at training camp this past week, been around the team for a couple of days, talked to a bunch of the players like Jonathan Quick. Vinny Trocek, Eric Gustafson, Alexi Lafreniere, uh, Capo Caco, Peter Laviolette. Um, so I've been around the guys and I've been around the group. And, you know, the vibe around the team right now is very, very focused. Uh, feels a little bit different than last year in the sense that Peter Laviolette has a more serious tone to him. And I don't want to talk too much about uh, training camp right now. And I apologize that we didn't offer fan questions for today. It's just been a crazy weekend. But obviously that first preseason game didn't go as well as we had hoped. But then again, First preseason game, new coaching staff. A lot of the veterans don't travel. There were some good things in that first preseason game. I thought Philip Heedle played really well. I thought Zach Jones was really strong. Um, you know, the power play obviously needed a lot of help, but I don't think we'll see any of those guys on the first power play unit this season. So uh, I'm not going to judge too hard. And anyone who's been listening to me for the last two years knows that I never really pay too close attention to preseason because it's never how the team looks when the puck drops for real. But I will be in attendance for all the Rangers preseason games at the Garden. I will be in attendance for all the home games this season. I'm going to try to go to some road trips as well, uh, covering the team for the hockey news, but nothing is guaranteed right now. But if you are going to be at Madison Square Garden at any point this year and you want to say what's up, come hang out, shoot me a DM, and we can meet in between periods on the Chase Bridge. You know, I love meeting our listeners and talking to you guys. So that could be really cool this season. But the thing that surprised me the most is how likable Peter Laviolette is. I didn't really know so much about him personally prior to the Rangers hiring him. I think we all know what Laviolette has been like as a coach from the outside perspective. But sitting in on his press conferences and just seeing how he runs the team, um, you know, he has a lot of personality to him. And it's not just super serious. He, he's got some humor. He cracks jokes. And his uh, ability to articulate the game of hockey is super strong, which I didn't really realize. And the way he explains things, not only his systems, but just his overall thought process on how he makes his decisions. Uh, I think it's very unique, and I think Ranger fans will love hearing from him in post-game press conferences and just throughout the entire season, day-to-day, on what's happening with the group. So I think we'll have a much longer intro next week, and we probably won't bring on a guest. I think we'll just talk about the preseason games and what's happened so far in training camp. Hopefully, Cody and Avery, all three of us, can hop on together. But I do want you all to enjoy this interview with Emily Kaplan. It's kind of our last... Uh, interview from the summer where we just kind of shoot the shit with our guests and not really talk so much hockey. So really hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Emily Kaplan. This week on the Blue Crew, it is an absolute honor to welcome on one of my new best friends. I feel like we spent the entire Stanley Cup final together in Vegas and Florida. Uh, she saw probably my craziest black blackjack hand ever, which we might have to talk about. Um, but without further ado, welcome to the show, ESPN reporter, Emily Kaplan. Em, what's going on? Johnny, way to give a great teaser of something you're going to share later in the show when you introduce a guest. I love that. You're completely understanding what he does. game. Is that not supposed to happen? Do you not do it that way? Um, just speaking among three Jews here, not exactly <laughs> supposed to 
shirt, but I love it. This is why okay. I love you. Honestly, Johnny, you're killing it. You've been such a star in the game, and that's why I view you as my little brother. And Cody, so great to meet you, and I'm really <laughs> pumped to be with you guys. Likewise. And I'm also shocked that Johnny knows how to gamble. I'm like shook. Well, oh, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think we have to share it now. You can't save it till later. Yeah. Uh, we sat down playing blackjack, and I said, th- I think I split queens four times. It was nearing five. I, I think yeah. the dealer probably wanted to wring your neck. But I won. I know. It was the craziest. Hand. I mean, I ended up going down on the day anyway, but like I won a crazy, like, that was one like literally queen after queen after queen after queen split like five times. It was nuts. Johnny is 100% the guy who hits on 17. Like 100%, <laughs> no doubt in my mind. It gets everybody at the table mad at him and he and he just slams it and, and hits on 17 every time. All right. I feel bad coming in and just like getting on Johnny early, but- This is what happens. Yeah. I picked up golf <laughs> this summer and I realized like there's tenants that I had for the fall is that nobody wants to hear about your golf game or like, mm. your, like some crazy hole mm. you had and no one wants to hear about your fantasy football team. Yep. And now I think no one wants to hear about your blackjack hand either. Yep, that is also fair. So speaking of summer, let's talk about yours. Sure. people, I mean, this this one's actually cool. You went to Medellin, which I didn't know anyone actually does. I guess just like people in Entourage maybe. I'm sure you're a big Entourage fan, but can you talk about that trip? Because I didn't know that people actually like vacation there. That's nuts. Yeah, I mean, you were the only one that threw me a Billy Walsh reference, so I did appreciate that. <laughs> Obviously yeah. understood it. Um, yeah, it's sick. I actually have a cousin who lives there. Uh, he grew up in Milwaukee. Never graduated high school. He might have gotten his GED at some point. My grandma always said he's going to be the richest out of all of you. And um, it's true because he isn't, I called him a gem lord, but he, uh, <laughs> he's the owner of an emerald mine down there. So um, me and my boyfriend went down there. It was just a place. And I always wanted to go to South America. Um, it's not super far. It's like an under three hour flight from Miami. The people mm. are amazing. They're so warm. It's gorgeous down there. It's pretty cheap. You kind of live like a king or a queen. Uh, the food was crap. It was so bland. They do not see anything. And spicy just doesn't exist, which maybe is just a bad gringo stereotype. But uh, we were quite disappointed in whatever they called picante. Cody, you ever have any interest in going to Medellin? Uh, I went to Colombia, but I went to Bogota and oh. Cartagena. And I will never go back to Bogota again. Me and Jackie <laughs> thought we were going to get kidnapped. That was good. Um, so Ubers are illegal there. So quick funny story for you guys we were coming home from the bar and hopped in an uber and like if a taxi driver sees you getting into an uber i i'm not kidding you they threaten to call the police and like what? start screaming and pointing uber uber so we get in this uber <laughs> this guy turns around he speeds off shuts all his lights off looks at me and goes cousin carlos cousin carlos so he's like you i'm like cody he's like carlos jackie cody carlos cousins Literally goes in the high on the highway, turns his lights off and drives down the highway 60 miles an hour with his lights off, his head out the window. I'm not kidding. We we weren't we weren't sure we were making it back. <laughs> it was that's an amazing so we'll story. Ne- yeah. So never going to Bogota again, but but Cartagena was sick. Okay. Yeah, no, um, they have ditties there and Uber was um another way to get around, but definitely got shook down by police within the first like 12 hours of being there. Um, but after that, yeah. super safe, everything was great. Um, the other funny thing about it is that like, obviously people go because they're obsessed with Pablo Escobar and narcos. Mm. There's all this curiosity there. And, um, the government really is trying to shut down the narco tourism, right? They want to be known for other things. So there was a Pablo Escobar museum we really wanted to go to. And it turns out like just two or three weeks before we got there, the government shut it down, but we went to illicit Pablo Escobar museum, which was amazing. You just get like shuttled into this alley. People are like, come, come, come. It's run by his brother. It was a complete sham. Like you paid a ton of money and you saw like 
one to two shot down cars, a shot down helicopter, and like a bunker he may or may not have hidden at one point, but it felt kind of on brand. Cool. Mm. Wow. Underrated well, movie, Blow, Johnny Depp. Ooh. Great fucking Underrated? Movie. That movie's... That movie's Pretty sure it was some Oscar bombs, John. Yeah, well, okay. What? My bad. All right. Any, anyways, <laughs> anyways let's, let's transition because you two spent a lot of time together this past Stanley Cup, became friends, you know. I want to hear the whole story. You know, Johnny tweeted a picture of you two, oh, and the bar and then he put, and then he posted it in our group chat. So we have a group chat, and and he was like, "Look who I made friends with." So I just want to, you know, hear from your point of view how it was like hanging around this guy because <laughs> I know sometimes he could be a drag. So just curious. It honestly was so refreshing because. Johnny, I hope you take this the right way, but you were just kind of like oh, a little puppy dog taking it all in. <laughs> you know, I always was the youngest on the beat. Like I, I felt like I, mm. you know, got some jobs pretty early where I was afforded really cool opportunities. And now I'm 32 and like you get kind of jaded. So to be able to experience everything for the first time with Johnny, just like how pumped he was of like, oh my God, I got to see the Stanley <laughs> Cup today. Or like, Open locker room or like whatever it was that really got him jazzed. Um, definitely reinvigorated me. And how we connected, honestly, I believe... It was through a mutual Jewish friend, uh, yeah. or maybe you reached out to social media uh, to have you I'm on fine. your pod. And, you know, we all have to look out for each other. And I was, again, just kind of impressed by his enthusiasm and passion for the game. And I just view him like my little brother, and I just want to see him succeed. So he is, and I'm just so proud of him. Awesome. He's, he's the best. Thank he's you. Best. But I will say, like, you know, since I first spoke to Emily, like, probably two or three years ago, she's, like, always had my back since, so. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really fun Stanley Cup final. And we got to shout out the other people in the crew, like Jenna Malamud, Brian Rubin, Krista Shremsky, who's been on the show. And then Kevin, obviously your boyfriend, that was a fun time in Vegas. The funniest time, the funniest night I think was when like, we all went to dinner. I think it was for jazz's birthday. And like, I think Kevin, her boyfriend ordered a beer and I was like, I want a milkshake. And like, I got like the craziest fucking shake and it was i don't know it's like the little brother syndrome it yeah, makes sense. yeah, yeah. No, they all definitely ordered milkshakes like they were 12 years old um yeah. and then it was like jazz i think didn't tell any of us it was his birthday and then yeah. kevin ordered a round of bubbly for everyone that i think mm. nobody drank so no yeah but that was very kind he uh, money that kid i'll tell you that. <laughs> but let's let's transition to a little bit of hockey i'm sure we'll bounce around with god knows what throughout this whole thing uh peter laviolette you've probably been around him a bunch you know in your career what kind of relationship do you have with him the first couple of days of training camp? He seems like obviously a very intense guy, but also very cool and, and also has a little bit of humor to him. I've honestly been super impressed. I wasn't like, you know, so thrilled when they first hired him, but the last couple of days has been very refreshing and uh, seems like a fun guy to work with. So can you talk about your relationship with him so far? Yeah, you know, I've obviously covered a decent amount of Capitals games the last couple of years is where I got to know him. And I think now in hockey, especially in the media or fans, we kind of roll our eyes at retreads. We're really ready for new blood. Like, why don't they just think outside the box with hirings? Like, where are the young up-and-comers? Why do we not have a European-born coach when there's so many Europeans in the game? Um, you know, just diversity in thought and diversity in background. And then there's a guy like Peter Laviolette who just keeps getting hired and hired again. And so that's probably the fatigue that you experienced when he first got hired. There's a reason he keeps getting jobs. He's a very good hockey coach. Um, he's not going to necessarily wow you with his systems. It's all about being pretty defensively responsible. Um, you know, he wants to have a hardworking team. I think he's made that pretty clear in his first couple of days at Rangers camp. Um, you mentioned, though, like kind of an understated sense of humor. You, you think of him more yeah. as an old school guy, but guys on the caps always, you know, talked about, you know, him coming in and lightening the mood a bit. I think he's a mix between a hard 
nose old school coach who's very demanding. I also think he's a player's coach, though, and I think he listens to his guys and is able to adapt to them. Um, so I'm curious to see what he does in this new job because he's different than Gerard Gallant. In some ways, there is some overlap, but overall, it just kind of felt like what the Rangers were looking for, at least from a management and ownership perspective, was a different voice. Like for whatever reason, it was just getting stale or it just wasn't quite working with Gerard where they were able to get over that next hump. And they're just, mm-hmm. okay, maybe we just bring in Peter Laviolette and it'll change. And the other thing about Peter Laviolette is, historically he gets a really good buy-in initially from teams. Like they really see a boost initially when he takes over on the bench. Yeah. It yeah. seems like they fear him a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, the Rangers are in an interesting spot because they have a whole bunch of guys between age 20 and 25. And then they have a whole bunch of guys in between age 30 and 35. Uh, not much middle in between except for Philip Hedl. So you know, what do you think a, a coach like Lavi would will will come in and really help some of these younger guys kind of elevate their game? Obviously, the two to point out are you know Loff and and Kako, but some of these other guys as well, like Heedle, who really had a nice year. Um, you know, Schneider, uh, Keandre. I, I can keep going, but you know, what do you think he'll be able to really do for some of these younger guys? Well, it's going to be interesting because you know I did say he is a player's coach in the sense that like he can relate to the guys. I think more of the veterans, though, gravitate towards him. And I know one knock on him in Washington was he didn't always trust some of the younger guys. Like Anthony Mantha was a player who was, you know, a part of a really big trade and needed to find his legs there. And it was so clear that he had lost trust from that coaching staff of what he can do. I think part of it was his effort and hustle defensively, um, which is something that Peter Laviolette demands. So he's not going to coddle these guys. I think it's going to be a meritocracy. And if you're the best player and you're working at hardest and you're following the systems, you're going to get playing time. And, you know, maybe he's going to adapt a little bit. You never know. Like, I think we also roll our eyes at retread saying, oh, they're going to do the same thing again and again. But in a lot of these situations, like you see with Bruce Cassidy is a really great example. When they get a different opportunity, they adapt a bit and they realize what they did at their last stop. They might need to overcompensate for a little bit more and change Mm -hmm. a little bit more. So I think his relationship with those young players, how he coaches them, what type of leash he gives them is going to be a huge storyline. And I don't really know what to expect. I actually want to piggyback off that because I know you spent a lot of time with Philip Hedl specifically and his personality is like so bubbly. I think he's really like opened up over the last couple of years. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with his emergence in 2022 and that playoff run. But can you talk about, I, I believe you spent time with him in Prague, right? And interviewed him in, or was it Paris? It was Paris. It was the Paris. European media tour. Um, Johnny uh-huh. and if this is the assignment you need to get on at some point. They had it in Sweden this year. It was insane. Like, ESPN sent you over and they're just like, here's like 15 NHL stars and just like hang out with them in like a sick hotel at Paris. (laughs) Okay. Did you like have a picnic with Hedo like by the Eiffel Tower? So that was the thing. So we were looking for things to do with guys that were like outside, just like the typical sit down interview. And the only two guys that we got to bite, Mo Sider, who we haven't aired this piece yet and I hope it'll air this year, but we went and got coffee with him at like a cafe. Super cool, swaggy kid. Like that. I love him. I have all the time in the world. And Heedle, who was like, yeah, sure. Like, on the off day, like, you can pick me up from our hotel and we'll do whatever. And we're like, okay, like, what do you want to do? And he's just like, whatever. So I think you get the sense already. He's a really easygoing guy. I think my biggest takeaway is, you know, he comes here as a first round pick and there's all these expectations and pressure. And just remember, he comes from a village. Um, He calls it village and his accent. And it just like kind of melts apart every time. vegetables in his like yeah, video. I know, I know. <laughs> um but a tiny village where you know he's talking about driving in new york city for the first time and how intimidating that was for him and like 
in his village, like he was lived on a farm and was like scared of the animals that would cross in the middle of the day. And so it just gives you some perspective of, you know, when we demand so much from these guys, like we do have to give them a little bit of an adjustment period because culturally um, it's a massive ask to ask them to perform in this league under the lights of Madison Square Garden. Oh, and when like yeah. English is your second language and you're just kind of like trying to live your life, just found them to be extremely humble, extremely hardworking, really authentic. Um, just like a really lovely personality. So we had a fun day, um, you know, kind of just took him around to a couple spots. He's super interested in other sports. We talked a lot of uh, football, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the uh, European kind. Uh, I've become an EPL fan. I think Paris Saint-Germain is his team um, over there in Champions League. So mm. um, I, I just always root for guys like that where you just you can see how badly they want it, but also how authentic they are and how they can stay true to themselves and um, it's just a hard guy not to root for. This is so off topic, but you said it and it triggered oh. something in my brain. Well, no, no. Cause my, one of my friends sent a Snapchat literally today. Like if you watch soccer or like soccer, I feel like everyone that says that is just pretending. So wow, <laughs> literally, no, but literally like that Snapchat was sent like 45 minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. I wake up at 6am to go yeah. watch Chelsea get, you know, spend all this money and not be able to win a game. Uh, yeah. So if I can say something like that, sorry, match, and I'm a true supporter and I like their kits, uh, does that make me a true soccer fan or football? Well, what fan? got you into it originally? Um, honestly, so I played growing up um, mm. in soccer. Like mm. I was one of those like girl power, like love Mia Ham. And second grade, I tried telling everyone like, oh, my name's Emily, but you can call me Mia for short. And I was like, no. That makes sense. <laughs> um, and then it was the pandemic yeah. and EPL started up again and I'd always kind of wanted to get into it and it was excuse, right? Like nothing was going on. I unfortunately picked Chelsea as my team. Um, mm. Unfortunate. I picked them for three reasons. One, there was a Russian oligarch owning them at the time. So I figured they would like always have unlimited money. He's gone, but we have a new American who's always going to spend money. Christian Pulisic was on the team, like young uh -huh. American star. He's gone. And third, they were always going to get good broadcast windows, which we still have, but uh, it's, it's been an interesting ride. <laughs> There's no way you know anything about soccer, Cody. Oh, I thought you were uh, No, no, not you. No, 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 you, could, you actually couldn't be more wrong because I was a huge Chelsea fan growing up because oh. my, college, my college roommate was English. Growing so up? Your college roommate I watched, growing up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, whatever, 10 years ago, whatever okay. it was now. But um, – yeah, I watched every single morning on Saturdays at six and can name you their entire team. So come Cody's out, the guy that my friend was Snapchatting about. Let's go. Sure. Big Drogba fan. That was probably the time. Drogba. Drogba. Mm. See, I can't even pronounce it. Maybe not a street supporter <laughs> after all. Yeah, no. Uh, Aiden Hazard was my guy oh, on Chelsea. Yeah. 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 So okay. so suck it, Johnny. Um, but all right, enough enough about that. I, I wanna, you know, we have Emily here. I wanna talk a little bit about her. So you mentioned playing soccer growing up, you know, at what point growing up, did you know you really wanted to get into this type of business and, you know, specifically where did the love for hockey come from? Yeah. So my sports actually soccer growing up and then it was field hockey and lacrosse, like a big mm. field hockey family. Both of my sisters played in college. Um, and the story that I always tell, and I feel like a broken record at this point, and my dad honestly wants me to stop sharing the story. So maybe this is the last <laughs> time I ever share it, but the child of three girls. I always thought my dad hated me. At the time, he was actually a Sunday sports editor at the New York Daily News. Uh, so he worked really late nights and I would like never see him. And he actually coached my sisters in softball. I was never interested in softball. Like I thought that was a stupid sport. I wanted to play soccer, which he was like, I don't know soccer. And later feels like I'm across. Um, but to get closer with him, 
Outlaw hockey games, another thing that I feel like I should stop admitting, but I will just for the sake of this call, uh, Rangers were his team. So we'd watch mm -hmm. a ton of New York Rangers games together. And um, inherently, I just wanted to get closer to him. And, you know, sports was something I was super interested in. When it came to school, writing came really naturally to me. Math and science, not as much. And I think it was like, my elementary school yearbook, I was like, I want to be a, I think I said sports writer for the New York Daily News, um, have a golden retriever and a white picket fence. And <laughs> like, that sounds great. I would obviously yeah. love a dog. Um, but I just became singularly focused. Like, this is what I want to do. Covered football after college, uh, the NFL, it was sick. And my dream job at 24, I was a staff writer at Sports mm -hmm. Illustrated covering the NFL. And uh, ESPN brought me in for a job. For a football job and i must have mentioned hockey like multiple times in my interview because they called me back a few weeks later and we're like we don't have any football jobs we think is better than what you have now but like our biggest need is a national hockey reporter would you be interested and it just sounded like a sick dream job and i was all in first and foremost i'm very glad that you finally admitted you're a huge rangers fan unbiased so <laughs> i wrote I uh, root for people i root for stories um and i do root for buildings that i like to go to and i like to go to madison square garden in new york city so i i yeah. have some rooting interests but not yeah. the team these days that was the funniest thing too what like we were at morning skate together and emily's just like walking around. like she walked me around the entire garden like knows everyone like that was that was super cool to have that like little behind the scenes with you too. That's like the aspect of the job that like still feels very surreal to me. Like the fact yeah. that like I can go to Madison Square Garden and I know the whole high crew and I all yeah. those security guards are like my brothers now. Like I you know there's a million of them by the way working at game Madison Square Garden is insane. Like the mm -hmm. it's so many security guards but they're so kind and they help you out and it's like the fact that I can show up to work there it still doesn't quite hit me. I remember I was like, Cody, you'll appreciate this. I was, it was like my first time, you know, covering like a playoff series. And I went for like a morning skate press conference. I think it was like Truba and maybe Galan or, or someone else. Um, and I like, I got dressed up like being like the young, like nervous kid I was. Emily walks in like pajama pants and a puffy pink jacket. And I was like, this is how you can fucking show up. Like, that's sick. Okay, when you're like about to travel on the road for two straight months. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wasn't chirping. I was complimenting you. Honestly. Oh, yeah. No. Chirping. I think I'm a little more casual than I sometimes appear on TV. <laughs> great. I love it. Well, I want to circle back a little bit to, you know, you talking about MSG, right? You've obviously covered a lot of games. Uh, what would you say so far throughout your career has been your most memorable day on the job? And then which has been, you know, your favorite stadium to cover based on the environment and all of that stuff? Mm. I mean, sticking with MSG, the four overtime game uh, in the playoffs, Penguins, right? Yeah, penguins. Learned so many lessons that day. Firstly, always have snacks. Always be keeping the blood mm. sugar high because um, I was getting hangry and hungry towards the end. Um, it was awesome. Like, you know, like playoff hockey. It was, I'm pretty sure that was the first weekend ever. Like, we were broadcasting games. I was like four games in four nights. Like, they had me on this insane schedule. Um, I actually had to go to Carolina the next day, if I remember correctly. Um, but it was one of my most memorable interviews ever because after the game, um, you know, Louis Domingue comes in because oh, yeah. it was Tristan Jari cramped up and, you know, uh, he is the hero of the game. And I interviewed him right there in the tunnel. And, you know, he's talking about what goes on in the intermission. He's like, I didn't have the best meal. And so probably the best follow-up question I'll ever ask my entire life is like, well, what was it? And he said, spicy pork and broccoli. Not great. Can you take me inside the locker room after that second overtime period? What were people saying? What was the vibe? And most importantly, what were the guys eating? I think we, we believe, we believe. I actually had a quite the meal in between the first and the second uh, overtime. I, I didn't expect going in, but 
um, maybe it sustained my energy. So uh, it was it was cool though. It was cool to be part of that. You say quite the meal. What was it? You know, some spicy pork and uh, broccoli. Not the best. <laughs> Thanks, Louis. Yeah. Which became like a complete, you know, <laughs> phenomenon. Everyone loved it. Honestly, I think I only asked that because I was hungry myself because like, <laughs> it had been so late and it was so long and I was just thinking about what I was going to eat post-game and luckily the truck had some Chick-fil-A sandwiches for us. So that was a memorable one. Yeah, that is a uh, a tough scenario. I believe I remember you told me you were flying private after that game though too. So it's that was the one sad. and only time I've ever flown private. <laughs> like, Sean McDonough, God bless him. He's our play-by-play guy. And he maybe has a sixth sense. Maybe he has ESPN or something. I don't know. Oh, excuse me. Oh, come on, laugh. Johnny, that's your humor. Uh, I got you. Yeah, it was he, a nice little metaphor. Yeah, he had the foresight to uh, arrange us a private jet that night to get to Raleigh. Um, and like, I think we just made the curfew in the Raleigh airport by like maybe 20 or 30 minutes, but, uh, that was much needed. And then of course, because it was like my first year broadcasting, I had to prove that like I was the hardo. I showed up to morning skate the next day in Raleigh. And at that point, like I covered so many Canes games. I knew the guys and like, I probably should have just prioritized sleep at that point, but I had to Mm -hmm. show like, this is what I am. I show up every day. I'm the intrepid reporter. Um, but I don't know if that was my best game that night. I'll say that. Well, I'm actually curious too, just about that night in general, or you can just talk about, you know, obviously your job as a whole, but you know, ringside reporting, like you're standing up for four hours, right? Like you don't really get a, do you have a break room? Like how do you kind of relax during the game? Like when you're not on, what are you typically doing? Great question. I mean, look, someone's paying me to go to a hockey game and sit there right up against the glass. Like it is. As you guys know, like the closer you are to the action, the better it is. I often like it's the best live game experience, a hockey game. It doesn't translate mm-hmm. as well on TV sometimes, which I should not say as a TV broadcaster, but it just is important. <laughs> this is why we got to get more people just exposure yeah. to the game because they realize how amazing. Seriously. It is. Um, but yeah, during intermissions, uh, usually there's like a kind of like a green room and usually me and Ray uh, Ferraro will go and meet there. Ray's always got to have a snack. He's just so obsessed with these little like trail mixes that uh, the guys get him from. I think he really likes the Target brand one, like the Good and Gather, uh, the ones with like the little oh, yeah. and get him all jazzed. Uh, <laughs> here was many kind bars, and I think then he like swore off many kind bars because he probably ate 842 of them, um, which is a lot of calories and mm. a lot of sugar, which he's always obsessed with. Anyway, we'll go into <laughs> awesome about what we've seen on the ice, just kind of like storylines, like shoot the shit. Sorry, cursing. You can curse um, as much as you want on here. Yeah. Go for it. Okay, great. So Ray and I are shooting the shit. It's like fun. You know, sometimes we're talking about the game. Sometimes he's talking about whatever flight he needs to change the next day. He's FaceTiming Cammy, his wife, texting his kids. Um, and then it's time for the next period. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I thought it was just like, you know, no bathroom breaks. Like I thought you were kind of locked in at all times. No, I mean, and sometimes it's hard though. Cause like often, you know, I'm waiting to interview the player. Um, so sometimes that takes a little long and then, I have to go meet the coach sometimes or an assistant coach for an off-camera interview. Yeah. Uh, so the worst is like <laughs> either me or Ray, like look at the time. We're like, oh no. And so like either of us have to sprint. He has to sprint to get between the benches like before the team gets there or else he gets stuck. I think in Dallas mm. he gets stuck a couple times. And for me, it's just like, oh shoot, like I'm late for my appointment. And you know, coaches, like if you're not there right mm. on time, they're going to walk away. So um, it's usually it. Yeah. Someone, or can I go, Cody? I just have one. No, 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 no. Hold up. Um, so I, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, go. Actually, go. That was fucking sick. You should have just done it. Yeah, no, I all right, all right, all right. Well, yeah, well, I actually sick. have an important. I have an important question. Yours was probably like mine's okay. Mid. Um. So, anyways, <laughs> so you co-host in the crease with Linda. Obviously, she's an absolute legend. Um. You know, honestly, you've been doing a really great job changing the game as well. And you know, I love to see it from from you and her. Um. Would you say she's been 
mentor to you as as you've been making your own name for yourself in you know this industry the nhl and and you know the whole sports industry as a whole hell yeah um sadly our show um is no longer uh in space yeah. and it was a really cool opportunity though to be able to work with linda because for me she was the woman on tv forever growing up yeah. and she was the one carrying the torch for hockey when we didn't have yeah Bucci as well levy as well like got to give those guys their flowers too um but I think what Linda taught me more than anything else is just how to be authentic. Um, and I think the thing about LC is just like when she shows up, she's completely herself and she's silly. And sometimes she's a little raw and sometimes she's very Long Island, but like, that's her. She's still Long Island. So long, yeah, little Long Island was probably a bit of an had her on a bunch of times, John. Getting on yourself. What did you say? I said, we've had Linda on a bunch of times. Yeah. I think, I think just once. But... Twice, twice, twice. Nice. Yeah. But it feels on, like you're dude. probably your best friend because that's how she makes you feel. Like she's so warm and she loves the game and her passion is there. So um, that was a really special opportunity for me to be able to bond with her in that way. And we're still friends. Like actually two nights ago, we were on the phone pretty late, like, you know, sharing stories, updating our lives. And um, I just, I have so much respect for her. I also think she came up at a time that was really unforgiving to women. Um, right. She, that hardened her shell, you know, like yeah. there was, things that she had to adapt to, to navigate the workplace that I'm really fortunate that I don't have to anymore because women like Linda paved the way. Um, so I'm yeah. always really cognizant of that and always really appreciative of women like that who are trailblazers. And then I just see the way that the guys love her, right? Because again, she was the one that they grew up listening to highlights of and talking about the game. Um, and so I have the utmost respect for her. I think she's like the OG uh, when it comes to women in the sport, um, ESPN and hockey. And I, I just adore her. Yeah. And you've been paying it forward too. I see how you treat the younger women in the industry also. And I'm sure, you know, they obviously would say the same things about you, you know? Oh, thank you. You know, it's funny, like to quote Taylor Swift, there's, oh. I think this is a Taylor Swift quote. I saw it attributed her once and I've like completely regurgitated it, but there's a special place in hell for women who are mean to other women. And uh, mm. I, it really speaks to me because sociologically we as women are taught to believe that there's only a certain amount of space on the top because that's the way it had been. Like there's always been like the one token woman. So inherently that mm -hmm. creates this competitive environment. And the more I've been in this industry, the more I realize like there's space for everyone. Like all of us can shine as long as like we're true to ourselves and doing our thing. We can support each other. We can collaborate with each other. Um, and it's just so much better when it's a positive energy experience. And when we're mm -hmm. like, I'm using a stereotype catty towards each other or bitchy or, or jealous. And like those things just, I don't know. They're not cool. And I hate when other women act like that. And I understand that some of it's so deeply rooted and we don't even understand we're doing it. Um, but if there's a young woman who's kind of trying to break through, I, I always try to make time for them, always try to share what I know and just encourage them to be themselves and create their own space. Yeah. I mean, that's the hardest part too, right? It's just even like, you know, women, men, whoever you are, being yourself is like on cat when the cameras are turned on i don't care who you are it's always hard to really try to just be yourself totally and Johnny, yeah. like you and i have talked about this and this is why i think like i have so much respect for you and i'm gonna say like your generation because you are gen z right yeah uh, yeah 96 fall in gen z sure. and look we're yeah. like five years apart but like i think you guys are so much more comfortable showing up as yourselves and for me getting into the industry and in my role like is a typecast of how i'm supposed to act and there's a professionalism and I was really cognizant of just making sure that I show that like I deserve to be here. But I think one thing that has been lost on that um, is my personality. And sometimes when the camera shows, like I, I lean towards too stiff or just like a little too robotic sometimes just because 
I want to make sure like what I'm on the A team for it. Like a like yeah. NHL broadcast. Like I'm on ABC. Like this is not something it's serious do. shit. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so I'm not gonna lose my professionalism because at the end of the day, all you have is your reputation. And you know, yeah, I want right. to share it to everyone and I want to show that I can show up and I I I'm the right person to be there. But I also think inherently recovering a game, it's fun. Like men are mm. skating around in circles and shoving each other into boards. Like we can have some fun with it. So it's something. Johnny, you've actually helped me, you know, have encouraged me and opened my eyes, just like showing off a little more of myself when I'm on TV too, but it's hard. <laughs> well, funny story about that when we talked about it. So Emily came on our Stanley <laughs> Cup live show, I think before game five, right? Game five in Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Fireworks, uh, drones. Okay, and- yeah, I'm going to ask you shit like, you know, just be yourself. Like we won't do much hockey talk. And then she like actually like was being her full self. And I asked her about like, I think it was bagels or something. And she was talking about bagels in Chicago. And she literally said like on air, like on the NHL YouTube, like, yeah, it was some janky ass bagel place in Chicago. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) that's fucking hilarious. They are. They're all trash here. Like everyone sends me to bagel places here and they're all janky ass places. So (laughs) wait, so what is your favorite bagel spot in the city? Well, you're a Jersey girl. So maybe you and Cody, because he's a Jersey guy. Where where in Jersey are you from? So I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey. So I am. um, Oh, I'm in Montclair. If you don't mind me doing a little show and tell. It's a weird ass yep. reaction, Cody. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not Montclair. Dude, Montclair is dope. That's where I want to move. My parents commissioned this for me. It is a painting of my favorite bagel place, Hot Bagels Abroad. No way. Wait. Yeah. Uh, bring in a little more. Have you had Modern Bagel in Fairlong? Because it'll change your life. I have not, but I will try it. It's incredible. I love this place. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they're all stuck in my freezer right now. I bring them back and smuggle them every time there. But uh, when I lived in New York, Tompkins uh, was my spot. <sighs> I'm a big yeah. where, and where do you live right now? Sorry, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. My nice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, my dad and brother are there right now. Oh. But then I was just like, eh, that's not that cool. So just, <laughs> 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 if you need some racks, I'll give them. them. I get a little updated on that whenever this airs. Yeah, no, yeah. No. They were at the Cubbies game last oh, night. Just, yeah. Cubs, I think. Are Chicago. I'm, I'm sold on Chicago. I want to live Chicago is great, yeah. except for the winter. It's just, it's just nightmare fuel. Yeah. I know. Well, John came in the summer and me and my boyfriend, like, yeah, come this weekend. Yeah. We're here. And obviously we didn't see him once. So we're the worst. We you ditched me. We actually ended up, you texted me when you were at that bar and then uh, we got there and there was a line and like, we're in our thirties. We don't wait in lines. Uh, so yeah. I called you and you didn't pick up. And I waited outside for like 20 minutes and then we got an Uber and left. I, I met a girl and that's why I didn't pick up. And then I talked about it on here. I went on, Two dates with her, and now it's nothing. Uh, but <laughs> one of, uh, one authentic. Look how vulnerable. how do I transition that one? So whoa, whoa, wait, wait, hold on. I, I was going to ask real quick. Um, getting away from Johnny's dating life, we have enough of that usually. So, why did you guys settle on Chicago, and why did you leave New York? Um, great question. So I was living in New York. I grew up in a suburb. Like all of my high school friends were there. The time I was at Sports Illustrated uh, covering the NFL, and there were like five NFL writers based in New York one in Chicago and he was about to move. And so I like, honestly, Peter King is who I used to work for. And you go to these massive training camp tours and we drive like all these crazy places. And um, one, we had one off day in the summer and he took us to Wrigley and it was like a picturesque summer day. Like probably when you were here, like 75 degrees, everyone's on the sidewalk, you know, drinking beer, eating pizza. I was just like, this is amazing. Why don't I live here? So I figured I would try it. Yeah. <laughs> Professionally, I thought it was a cool opportunity. Like I covered the Bears, the Coles, the Packers were all within driving distance. Um, and then socially, I'm like, you know, whatever, I'll see how it goes. And that was 2016. And I haven't left. And my sister and her husband followed me here. They now have a kids. So we've got a little clan. So 
That's great. No plans to move back yet. I think we have to ask now, taking it back to hockey a little bit. What's the bu- <laughs> what's the buzz been like? You know, this past week around Bedard and training camp and all that stuff. Have you been around it? Yeah, so I showed up for the first day of a Blackhawks training camp and obviously got lots of uh, jeers from the media there. Like, oh, Emily, like didn't see you at all last year. And you're right, like, you're right. I, I took a year off in the Blackhawks. I don't think yeah. I missed much. Uh, but, um, you know, there's no bones about it. Like Kyle Davidson has been so transparent. Their GM, they're still in the middle of a rebuild. They don't expect to be making the playoffs this year. Like they're not going to go out and say it, but like they know that there's still some work they need to do. Like, all the work was in the draft picks that they amassed over the last few years, and they're all going to mature at the same time and be there right when Connor Bedard hits that athletic peak, and it's going to be sick. Mm-hmm. That said, this team is going to be so much more entertaining and so just captivating to watch, especially early yeah. in the season. Love the veteran moves they put around them. Like, honestly, three of my favorite guys to talk to in the league, um, respected veterans in Taylor Hall, Nick Felino, and Corey Perry. Like, they're just going to bring some personality to the team, some jam. Um, and then Connor, I think there's just this electric, what is he going to do next? And I think he's going to hit 60 points. I think he could probably exceed that. He's a special talent. He's a special kid. You know, he's five foot 10, but he's Jack. Like, I don't think his size is ever going to really be a thing or an issue in the league. Um, he's going to have guys who can stand up for him if there's like a little bit of shenanigans, but mm-hmm. um, just his shot the vision that he has on the ice, just his ability to do things that will transcend the sport and make sports center highlights and make people want to watch the games and show up in person. Um, Like all of that is there. So I'm really pumped that uh, this team is going to be relevant the next few years. Is he your favorite storyline going into the season or do you have another one that kind of stands out? Probably not him specifically. Like I think it's definitely one I'm going to watch. Um, What's my favorite storyline? Like, Honestly, the Toronto Maple Leafs are captivating to me. Like, they're the mm-hmm. NHL soap opera. Like, is this finally the year? And I love the personalities they brought into and Ryan Reeves and Max Domi and Bertuzzi to find a little more grit and jam. Like, I think that's a fascinating to watch. And then Austin Amer- uh, Austin Matthews, our sweet American prince, doubling down saying he wants to stay there. And, like, that puts mm-hmm. the pressure on him, right, of, like, he wants to see it through with this group. So that's when, honestly, Rangers, Devils, like, that was one of the best playoff series I got to cover last year that – you know, rivalry and just the fact that the Devils have arrived and they're a really fun team to watch. And Devils Rangers is always good juice for the league. Um, and then I think something else interesting to me is just this is about the new wave of talent coming in, right? Like we're always right. talking about the kids. But right. The entire league is rooting for Alex Ovechkin to break this goals record yeah. and Sidney Crosby just like finish on top. And so watching those two guys who – they know they're in the twilight, but they still are really competitive and they still got, you know, some game left. Like that's an interesting story for me to follow as well. Yeah, yeah. no, those are, those are great points. Uh, I'm just a little surprised you didn't say like your top storyline was, you know, Captain Blake Wheeler coming in as a, you know, New York boo, Ranger. Boo, and, boo. And, uh, <laughs> anymore. Didn't even think of Blake Wheeler. Sorry, Blake. He's gonna be great. Total bargain, <laughs> bargain of free agency, but Okay. Well, anyway, um, I did want to ask, you know, you've obviously interviewed a ton of different players, coaches, you know, personnel. Um, I'm sure there's been some bloopers along the way on either your side or, you know, the coach or players. Can you maybe tell me about, from your opinion, the funniest interview you've ever had on the job? I know my funniest interview. Oh, you have an answer for me? I have an answer for, yeah, my favorite of you. And we talked about it was when you Talked about Ranta when he was right in front of you after he got yanked. 
Okay, that yeah. Hilarious. So that was one of the ones where like visually it looked so much worse than it was. Yeah, that was I'll hilarious. Want. Um my job is a reporter. Like I get yeah. access and you know that other people don't get, and my job is to like bring you real-time information. So it's covering a Canes game again. Like I covered <laughs> I think it was against the Rangers. I think it was in the playoffs. It was, it yeah. was. And like I covered a lot of games in Carolina. So like Ron knew me pretty well. Ranta knew me. You know, I'd interviewed him after he was a number one star a bunch of times. Um, but they just pulled him and then I get an interview rod, like maybe two to three minutes later. So you want to like, know what's going on. Right. And so I'm standing there and I'm going to ask him and it is so loud in that arena. Like you'll see, like, I even have it on my Instagram, like me interviewing Cooper and every John Cooper. And every time he's like, because like, they can't hear me because it's so loud. So if Rod can barely hear me, I know Ranta in front of me couldn't, but even still I stand by the question. It was like super neutral, like take me through the thought process of pulling your goalie. Camera guy did it dirty. <laughs> They're just showing blocks of them. And like Ranch is just sitting there kind of like moping, looking sad, like a goalie who just got pulled. And obviously it just like kind of blew up on Instagram. Yeah. But the thing is, if Rod or Auntie had an issue with it, like they would have said something to me, right? Like I'm there mm. the next day. They know who I am. And like, they didn't like, they understand what it is. So um, it, it's one of those ones that looks worse than it is, but it, it wasn't really that bad. But I do have like a serious topic I want to talk to you about. Uh, you know, growing the game, you're at ESPN for a long time. And I had this thought a couple of days ago about the angle to growing the game, right? Because we talk about, and everyone complains about how the NHL needs to do a better job marketing their superstars and whatnot. But at ESPN, there's so much attention on like college football, college basketball, but college mm-hmm. hockey doesn't really seem to get as much attention as other sports. And, you know, in, in what I was saying, I thought like, maybe a way to grow hockey is to, you know, give more attention to the younger kids. Cause now like Bedard is doing so much for the game and he hasn't even played a fucking shift in the league yet. So if you put more focus and attention on like junior hockey, college hockey, maybe that's how you can somewhat grow the game because all my friends who love football, love basketball, they watch the NBA NFL draft. They know like all the fucking picks in every round. And I'm like, how do you know the offensive tackle from Missouri? Like when's the last time you watched the Missouri game? And he was like, college football just gets so much attention. So is that somewhat of an angle that, you know, the NHL or ESPN or TNT or whoever's covering hockey can take to maybe grow it is by starting from the bottom up instead of the top down. It was a good question, Johnny. It was a really, it was a well thought out question. Proud of you. Um, Like, honestly, Johnny, that's a great thought. And it's something that I would hope my bosses are considering and league executives are considering because we're trying to sell the game as a whole. And on that realm, like, I think that this new women's league, they started yeah. up without a rights partner. Mm-hmm. It's going to be super important for them to get that visibility and that exposure because we should just show everyone all sides of the game and how amazing the sport is. Because as you know, with hockey, it's not just the NHL, it's the, the hockey community that is really special, right? Um, I, I also think with the younger players, you're hitting on something good because we're always talking about grow the game, grow the game. Well, you look at the way that the NFL and the NBA grew the game. The NBA didn't become what it was until Michael Jordan like really showed up as a character and like mm-hmm. as someone you wanted to root for or against were just mesmerized by. And that empowered all of these guys now in the player, you know, they put themselves out there, they're requesting their trades like Dame, like it's a player's league. And you look at the NFL, like we follow players, we don't necessarily follow teams. Like the Kansas City Chiefs would be nothing if they didn't have Patrick Mahomes. So we want the players to put themselves out there more in hockey. That's really tough because it's inherently such a team sport, right? The best players only play about a third of the game They're, You know, it's always about credit to the teammates. It's so much teamwork, but the younger players, like the younger generation are more comfortable, you know, putting themselves out there. So maybe if we kind of grow organically through them, you're right. Like that would be a trickle up effect. So I love that thought and I, I hope it comes to fruition. And maybe I'll just think about more ways that I can incorporate yeah. that in my coverage too. Yeah. I don't know. I just think, 
you know, and, and again, it was like a random thing, but like you said, I, I watch, you know, all these younger kids doing interviews now and, and they're having so much fun with it. And obviously, you know, I'm sure at some point they'll be sick of it too. Like I think Connor actually skated up to Seth Jones at media day in Vegas. and was like, do I have to do this every year? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think like, I don't know, just, it seems different like in other sports where like I watch college game day for football and like same thing for basketball. And we don't have that, I think in hockey. So like, I think it'd be like a cool thing to. Yeah. This is my plug with being a company woman. Like we do have a lot of college games on ESPN plus and we've got, you know, a ton of programming. The next step though is to get, you know, we have the game, but we have to see who's behind these helmets and who these guys are and gals. Um, And so finding, you know, like you said, the ways to get them on Sports Center, two more pro- personality profiles, and that ancillary programming is so key. Even the World Junior, like that, like those tournaments, like in what other sport? I know we're kind of going on with this topic a little bit, but like in what other sport do you have the best of the best, like 18 to 20 year olds Globally. representing their country playing against each other? Yeah, exactly. And that's actually world champions to bring up the basketball trigger topic. Oh my God. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I would honestly, that's a cool documentary idea too, just like the history of the World Junior. Like oh, yeah. I think that'd be, uh, I would be interested. It's always been my goal to cover that event, that and World Championships, which both of them are tough because they happen during the NHL season, specifically Worlds, because it's right during the playoffs. But like yeah. everyone who goes to one of those events just talks about, specifically juniors, like the crowds and just the energy there. Um, and then World Championships, it's just like guys in a really good mood and good vibes, yeah. and it sounds awesome. Going out, having a good time, like post, like pregame beers, honestly, or whatever. But uh, Cody, you have you have any more questions? I got like one more. Yeah, I got one more too, but I was also just going to say, I was so excited, you know, I was so excited for the World Cup of Hockey to come back in 2024, yeah. and now that's not coming back, right? Is that is that a thing now? Now it's kind of like axed for February at least, and it's kind of put on hold? It's not going to be in 2024. Um, the planning just isn't there yet. Uh, oh, I loved that tournament. It was so sick. It was awesome. But was awesome. I would say like this is a major priority, specifically for the NHLPA and the Players Union. The top players, like Connor McDavid, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, he's so bland. Like, he is super opinionated, specifically behind the scenes, and really passionate about bringing back best on best world competition. Like, that mm. is something that, like, is really driving him and is important to him, besides winning a Stanley Cup, of course, with the Edmonton Oilers. And right. there is this push from the union, like, come on, like, what's the delay? Like, they keep kind of, you know, COVID, okay, we couldn't. And then there was the Russia issue, like, how are we going to handle that? And teams that don't want, or countries, rather, that don't want Russia to participate, what's their inclusion look like? they need to get something done. And I know that like we're getting past the initial stages of planning, but like time is of the essence. Like we're going to have entire generations of players who are missing out on that opportunity. So I like the thing it's going to come in 2025. Like it's just every year when you ask the NHL, like just keep pushing the goalposts further and further. So I'd like to yeah. see something tangible soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. So, so my last question <laughs> is, you know, Jason Robertson is a guy who has come to this league and and is really a polarizing player in today's game. Is Not he? that he's come out of nowhere, but he How is, is polarizing because he is just. I think he's unbelievable, and I and you know he he started he started pretty well, yeah, and then now he's obviously I would consider him pretty elite. Um, and you know I get. I, I don't know why Johnny's making that face. I've but, just never heard you talk about Jason Robertson before in my life. This is like well, coming out of know, well, I was watching ESPN. I was actually watching ESPN like earlier this week and they were, they were talking about a couple of guys and I was like, yeah, Jason Robertson's unreal. So, um, you know, my question to you is he's a guy who, not that he came out of nowhere, but obviously he is 
tearing it up for Dallas, and he's one of the elite players in the NHL today. Who is one player to look out for, in your opinion, this year that you think can can take a Jason Robertson tight leap? Great think, fucking question, Cody. Yeah, I know. I was like, I had no idea where this was going. First, same. <laughs> Robo is like I've spent actually like a decent amount of time. I, I hung out with him last summer in Michigan. Been interviewed a bunch of times in Stars games, like. He's a fascinating, he's a really interesting story in player development and kind of the way they work with him. What I love about him is his favorite player growing up was Yager. Like he's like, I'm not mm. the best skater, but I love the way he protected the puck and he loves the way that he shot with his long stick. And like Jason just, he's a goal scorer. Like he's so streaky. Like when he's hot, everything's mm. going in. And when he's cold, it's just like kind of mental for him. And he knows yeah. like once they break through, I'll be fine. Um, another guy we have a big feature coming out on, which I'm pumped for. Like, I think Tage Thompson has arrived. I, I think that would be a cop-out answer. Um, what could have been on this pod? Yeah. I, yeah, he said he would come on like last summer, and I just – And it was right before he broke out, and now, yeah. and now we're like, all right, he's oh, out. damn. Well, this has got time to plug my like 20-minute feature that's going to come out with him this year. We, we're going to yeah. air it last spring that he got injured. They missed the playoffs, but he's such a great story, and it's such a, like, a compelling story of just, again, player development and why people you know break out at certain times and just also family-wise. Like, you just want to root for him. Um, Cole Caulfield is my answer. Uh, yeah. Cole Caulfield, like Cole Caulfield. It's so unfortunate to me um, that there's so many great American players that are in Canadian markets, um, and we don't have any Montreal Canadian games on ESPN this year, which is just a bummer mm. to me. Like, I think they're going to be the, one of the most compelling teams in the league two, three years from now. Like, I think they're probably still like in that development phase, but that kid can just score goals. Like, he's again, also hilarious. <laughs> in the in the yeah. Jason Robertson vein, like goal scorers are goal scorers. He is absolutely hilarious. I spent some time with him in Montreal last year. We have a feature coming out on him. And like, he's just so pure and just authentic. I think one of my favorite answers I ever got in an interview, I was like, Cole, what's your favorite thing about being in the NHL? He's like, no homework. Um, <laughs> he is. Like he should still be in college right now. But um, you know, now that he's healthy, he just got paid. He committed to Montreal long-term. Like, I think he's a player we're going to be talking about it. I just thought of him with Robo too, because just goal scorers, right? Just pure yeah. goal scorers. Mm -hmm. no that's a good one he's i talked to him in vegas he was so funny he cr he cracked me up yeah. uh he was silly and i'll share this on this podcast he was like <laughs> you gotta talk about getting there he's like yeah it's like so hard to get to vegas like middle seat economy do you hear that <laughs> like on, i was in middle seat economy that's hilarious yeah yeah J johnny right. who's yours my like breakout player for this year yeah yeah curious uh mine's actually super interesting because he's not young but he kind of is I think I guess maybe reborn this year, and that's Jonathan Druin. Oh, probably going to play on the first line with Nate and with Rantanen in Colorado. And obviously, Druin and Nate had that history, you know, back in Halifax. And you know, he was a second overall pick that like hasn't had a breakout season. And you know, there's been a lot of negative talk about him. And I uh, think this year he has a resurgence. What's up? Probably because he was in Canadian markets. Yeah, but I think this year is going to be a resurgence for him. You, for you sure. bring a guy to like a more friendly environment like Colorado, where there's like not as much scrutiny, and again, you're putting him in a position to succeed. Like, that's a smart, calculated pick. Yeah, who's yours, Cody? Dipshit. I mean, <laughs> not for any air, but calling um, someone dipshit is such. I love saying dipshit. Where are we um, on that one, dipshit? It, you know, <laughs> if I if I had to go with somebody else, I, I'm actually going to go with Marco Rossi. Um, okay. I I, I thought. You know, getting drafted, he was a guy I wanted the Rangers to, you know, in 2020. Cody wants to, everyone to get drafted by the Rangers. Of course. Sure. Why, why not? Yeah. Jason Robertson, send him on over. Um, Kachuk, send him on over. Um, anyways, so, no, he was a guy I really had my eye on. I think, uh, you know, he he's someone who 
obviously he he had a health scare and you know it, it put a little damper on his game and now he's finally getting healthy and you know I think he's a guy who has those intangibles and skills to really be um you know a breakout player and obviously the wild have a lot of talent around him so they're still he's, mid though sure but I call him the Minnesota wild <laughs> nobody laughed at that I no know. I'm kidding I'm kidding <laughs> um yeah but so that's it that was good that was good uh I have one last one and we Cody and I have like kind of we used to like do a segment I feel like in regards to this, like if you could like ride a Ferris wheel with one Ranger, who would it be or whatever? I think Cody like always picked Panarin for a Ferris wheel ride every single time, but with, like with an ice cream cone. What, uh, so, so, you know, and we had talked about Lollapalooza. So if you could go to Lollapalooza with one player in the NHL, who you think would be the most fun? Easy. Mika Zibanejad, he's a DJ. Oh, true. We just mm. Like next, I don't know. All right. Shit question. Yeah. Um, absolutely hard. What's like a fun, what's like a fun activity you can do? Like, that would be cool. I'm trying to think of like cool interviews, segments. Yeah. I have a fun one next week. I'm pretty pumped. I'm going to Boston uh, to do something with Milan Lucic. And cool. I was like, take me mm. to your old haunt. Like, you know, like kind of just where he used to go. And his place was a barbershop slash tattoo parlor in North End. So I'm pumped to go there with him and see what that vibe's like. Interesting. I, I actually have a really probably dumb question for you, but... <laughs> Well, mine How just much sucks, do you so. travel? Yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously it's a lot, but you know, like week to week when you're in season. I mean, you know, how often are you actually in Chicago to to not in Chicago? The misconception is I'm here more often than I'm not. Like I, I get to sleep in my own bed, and because I live in Chicago, it's like one of the reasons I love living here. Like, there's so many cities that are like a 45 minute flight, or like if it's an mm -hmm. afternoon game, I can get home that night, or, or something like that. I can you know fly morning of if I'm really feeling dicey. Um, <laughs> October is a a banger of a schedule. It's a beast. Um, I've got like three games opening week, um, like games pretty much every Tuesday and Thursday. We kind of taper off in November, December, pick up against the all-star game, like average of one to two trips a week, which it sounds like a lot. Um, you know, when you go to O'Hare airport, as much as I do, it kind of just feels like your second home. Like the TSA mm -hmm. guys are all my buddies. Um, and then playoffs, it's like on the road, especially now that's our cup year at ESPN pretty much two straight months. I think that first year when we had the cup, I was in my bed for those two months, four nights, um, yeah. which is insane. That's what I was actually going to finish off with. Now that ESPN has the cup again, where do you want it to be? And where do you think it'll be? Hmm. I want it to be a team that. <laughs> <laughs> you were like uh, off camera. Cody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like something that I think was really cool last year was that it was two teams that hadn't won before. And there's just this yeah. different energy around when you know it's going to be a first-time winner. So I think that is my want, or just a, a long torture team, you know, like the Maple Leafs. Like, it would be cool to see Connor McDavid win. Obviously, Connor Bedard in Chicago, I think they're a little far off from that. Um, mm. Carolina comes to mind as a team that just feels like they're due. Um, and so that would be cool, I, I think. Get one later than us. Yeah, okay, fair enough. The Rangers, then. I make my boss happy. The ratings Thank are fantastic. You. you can just say it. Like, we know you want to. It's <laughs> um where do i think it'll be though um it's tough I, I i do feel like it's like again ratings wise i don't know if my bosses want me to say this but like <laughs> carolina it feels like both of those teams are kind of doing knocking um but i wouldn't be surprised like a team like la has really stacked themselves up like i could see them mm. emerging in the west um vegas there's no chance that they can't repeat as long as aiden hill you know is aiden hill as he was last year um, I also look at Dallas as a team that's really, really damn talented. Yeah. Jake Ottinger can, you know, steal your games and they've got all the talent in front of them. They're polarizing. And, yeah. And the East is just a beast, man. Like I, I really do feel like Toronto 
there's something this year that like, you know, they got that juice. Um, and then the Metro, like you can get through the Metro or the Atlantic really. Um, so I'm just pretty much naming all these teams. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> everyone's winning the cup this year. So the Rangers. Okay. Everyone's winning the cup. I just want everyone to win and everyone to be happy. How about that? <laughs> All right. I got nothing else. Em, if you want to take a, a second to plug anything, I know you just plugged your Lucic interview, but um, you know, I'm sure everyone listening to this knows who you are, but if you want to say anything before we let you go here. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna make my bosses happy. Power play is ESPN Plus's hockey offering. You get all of our games there. So stop saying you don't know where you can find them. It's actually a really good deal. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know, the point is our news magazine show. And I, I don't know if enough people are really know about it or aware about it. You know, it kind of had a rotating time slot, but it'll be pretty regular on Tuesdays. ESPN two is a pregame show. I think it's going to shift to Thursday, second half of the season, but typically Butcher Levy hosting. It's like where these in-depth interviews live. It's a really good show. Um, and it's really awesome. And um, I hope people check it out this season. Okay. I lied. I have one more question. All right, let's go. And I think I'd be doing a disservice to our listeners if I didn't ask you. You spend a lot of time with Mark Messier. Give us your favorite mess story. Oh, man. <laughs> I know you got a ton. Where to begin? You know, what was fun was this year, um, he was in Florida for a couple games with the Panthers, and watching a game in the press box with him was fascinating. Like, firstly, he had his hood up the entire time, and I think part mm -hmm. of that is like a privacy thing. Like, I didn't realize quite – you know, what it's like for him when he goes out in public, especially outside an NHL arena with all the autograph hounds, hounds. Um, but he's just so intense. Like he literally, like he's getting stressed to the play. Like he was laughing at one point, like he's just so emotive and it's awesome. Cause he still has that like unbridled joy for the game. Um, and then maybe my favorite story was, you know, I'm a leader at the PHWA. We really wanted him to be a, a awards voter. Um, we thought that'd be really cool. We have a certain amount of broadcasters. We got Gretzky to do it in year one. I think Gretzky declined to do it last year, if I remember correctly. Um, so it was my job to like call Mark and see if he wanted to do it. <laughs> I just remember calling him one day. I'm like, hey, Mark, it's Emily. He's like, hey, I'm in the Bahamas painting a fence. What's up? <laughs> okay uh he didn't end up doing it i think part of it was that he had to put his name on it and you know players want to protect other players and i don't think he was super comfortable you know putting uh mm. who he voted for out there but um he's been awesome to me it's been awesome to be around like he's just such a nice genuine guy and obviously a legend i don't think i've ever been more nervous in my life than when he walked into the yellow room and i was with you and you're like do you want me to introduce you and i was like honestly no <laughs> <laughs> no nah, he's a real one he's super cool yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, but Emily, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, best so of luck much. with all the travel coming up. We know you got a busy year ahead. Thank and, you. Uh, hope to see you here for the cup final. No, Johnny, I've already sent your flowers. They're so fine. Cody, it was great meeting you. Likewise. Likewise. Dad sometime thank soon, you. very soon. And yeah. I hope your brother and dad have the best time in Chicago. I. It sounds like they are. <laughs> sounds like they are. You don't have any FOMO at all. Perfect. I've been I've been there nine times. Oh, let's go. nine times. It's an elite yeah. city. It's I love yeah. it. Yeah, O'Hare's the worst though. I, I know I know you love it there, but yikes. O'Hare and Denver know. just oh Denver no Denver's trash. Should I, should I end the recording or are we keeping this in? Oh, you can you can I can talk airports all day. All day. All right, I'll let you are. Yeah, I'm ending yeah. the recording. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to thank my good friend Emily Kaplan once again for hopping on the show. Like I said in the intro, the Rangers have preseason games on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday night this week. We're going to have a much more loaded episode next week just talking about everything that's gone on around the team throughout this next week of training camp. So 
Stay tuned. And to all that are celebrating Yom Kippur, I hope you have a very easy fast and I hope you enjoyed the bagels that you eat tonight. So we love you guys. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next week with a little bit more in-depth conversation about the Rangers. And we promise we'll have some fan questions. So have a great week. Love you. Let's go Rangers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.